Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm in the studio with a few friends today. Dale is a pastor in Pagosa, who I've become very close to over the last couple years. He leads Grace in Pagosa, a church that we love. Dale, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. Good to be here. We're also here with Justin, who I met this morning, who is a member at Grace in Pagosa. And Justin has an incredible story that's going to drive home a little bit of what we talk about this morning. So, Justin? Yeah, it's an honor to be with you guys. It's great to have you in the studio. Well, if you were listening last week, you heard me talk about why you should trust Christ. I talked about the top 10 reasons to put your faith in Christ, and I really put it all on the line. And based on that, I challenged you to make a decision. It's one thing to listen and to hear the evidence and to become intellectually convinced that it's true. It's an entirely different thing to surrender your life to Christ as Lord and Savior. I hope you did take that step last week. And if you did, I really hope that you'll continue growing in that new relationship with Christ. If you didn't take that step last week, if you thought, you know, that's great, but I am not ready to make that kind of a commitment, well, today's show is for you. We're going to be talking about what does it take to believe in Christ? So there's evidence, and I'm not quite ready to take the step. Well, what does it take to come to belief in Christ? And Dale is the perfect guy to talk to this morning about this topic because he's been talking through the Gospel of John with his church recently, and we find some of the answers to that very question right here in the Bible in the Gospel of John. So Dale, what would you say to those that are out there that maybe have heard the evidence and maybe they have a lot of a desire to know what's true and they're interested in Christ, but they're not quite ready to fully surrender to him? What's their next step? Again, Nate, thanks for uh, letting us be here this morning. And yeah, that's such a great question. And I think what we need to remember is that this understanding, this idea of uncertainty, of doubt, if you will, um, isn't uncommon. And in fact, that's exactly what we see going on in the opening of the book of John. Now, many people may know the character of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus Christ, and his job, if you will, was really to point to Christ. But even John's own disciples, those who were following him, uh, would often look and say, is this the Christ? Who is this is coming? And John makes this amazing statement when he sees Jesus coming. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it says that as he points him out, John's own disciples transfer their trust. They begin to believe on Jesus Christ. But it wasn't just because John told them. One of the great statements that comes out of the Gospel of John is this understanding. We see this when Jesus calls his disciples. He says, come and see. And, and what I take that to be is that's come and see for yourself investigate this for yourself. See what it is that Jesus is proclaiming to be true. And so Jesus himself, when he calls his disciples in John chapter 1, we see that very statement both that Jesus uses. And then his disciples later, when they go to get other to come and follow, uh, we see the same exact statement. Philip uses this. He says, come and see. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. Don't believe it just because I said it, but come and see for yourself. And, you know, for those who are working on making a decision, uh, I think Jesus himself begins to say, you are either moving toward Christ 
or you're moving away from Christ. There's never this neutral location. We often think that, well, I'll wait, I'll decide, I'll make that decision later. That's a moving away from Christ. And what we want is to understand that since I'm never in that neutral position, we want to see people move towards Christ. Not because I'm saying it, because they should come and they should see for themselves. So come and see this incredible encouragement to come and see. I talked last week about R.C. Sproul's three components of faith. He said the first component of faith is being made aware of the information. The second component of faith is becoming convinced of the information. The third component of faith is buying into the information. It's actually surrendering your life to it. And that's where I left you last week. But if you're not at the surrendering component, if you're not at level three yet, that's fine. We can go right to level one. Just come and see. There's nothing wrong with just investigating. In fact, in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, God says, search for me with all your heart and you will find me. This incredible invitation from God himself to come and see. Reiterated later by God himself in human flesh, come and see. And again, that's what we're talking about this morning. This invitation just to come and see. So, Dale or Justin, how does somebody come and see? So, as we look at this, one of the things that we have to first understand about the idea of coming and seeing is as the disciples themselves would see the works, John calls these signs, we might call them miracles today. Um, They would see these signs that Jesus was performing in front of them. And we often want to see something like that. You know, change water into wine. You know, show me that. I'll believe. I would love that. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? (laughs) But but so often, Jesus would perform amazing miracles, and yet they would say, so show me another one. And how many signs is it going to take until I put my faith and trust in Christ? And that's the question. But John goes on in his gospel, and this is what I think is so amazing, is God has given us this amazing device. It's called the Bible. And what's great about it, you can get it in all kinds of forms. Um, but the one I love the most is the one that comes in the printed version. With some great Bible apps out there. But, but the reason I bring that up is because later on, John, in his perspective, as he writes the gospel, says this. He says that the, that the disciples remembered the words of Christ. They heard the words. They remembered back to what he had said. And now they see it fulfilled. And so in this understanding of come and see, and what it is we're trying to see is we have before our very hands, our eyes, the Gospels. We have the Bible. We have the true living Word of God that can go back. And and as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he says, to renew my mind, to fill my mind with the Word of God, not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That simply means I put the Word of God before me. And I go back to what he said, and just like the disciples, I see that word lived out in front of my face. This reminds me of a precious young lady that I had the opportunity to talk to this past week about Jesus Christ. And if you're listening, I really enjoyed the opportunity to talk for a few moments with you. But this precious young lady had grown up in a Christian home, and she is now not living as a Christian. She's rejected her faith in Christ. She's walked away from that background. And as I talked through what was going on in her life, she had come to a perspective of pantheism, okay, so that God is in everything, supposedly. And I asked some piercing questions. If if God is in everything, was God in the Holocaust of the Jews? 
And she said, no, 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 God God didn't murder six million Jews. And I said, exactly, but if you're a pantheist, that's what pantheism leads you to. If God is everything, then God is everything you hate. And she couldn't emotionally buy into that. And as I dug a little deeper, I asked, why did you walk away from Christ? Was it because the evidence led you there? Or was it because you didn't like some of what the Bible said? And it really boiled down to the reality that her personal desires and ambitions conflicted with what Scripture said. So it wasn't that the evidence led her from faith, but rather it was that her own desires kind of conflicted with what was true. So if you're listening this morning and you're thinking about what does it take to come and see, I want to ask you first and foremost to ask yourself that question. Am I not believing because I don't want to believe? Uh, There's a lot that's true that I don't like. I don't like the fact that 3,000 babies will die today legally in this country through abortion. I don't like that. I don't like that 55 million babies have been murdered in this country in the last 41 years uh, due to Roe v. Wade. I hate that, and um, I don't like it. But it's true, and it's real, and I can't just say I don't like it, so I'm going to pretend like it's not real. I don't like the fact that gravity kills people that fall off cliffs. It doesn't make gravity any less real. It just makes conflicting with reality that much worse. So I want to ask you, as we talk about coming and seeing, to really do a self-evaluation. Am I not believing because there are things in Christianity that I don't like? That might be true. You know, there are things in Christianity I don't like. That doesn't mean Christianity's wrong. That means I'm a sinful human being. And I need to get on the same page with what's real, right? And so I want to ask you, first of all, as we talk about this, to come to a point where you evaluate. Am I not willing to make a step because of what I don't like? Or am I not willing to make a step because it's not real? Now, we've shared the evidence that I think would lead anybody that is willing to evaluate it to the conclusion that what we find in the Bible is true and real and that it is the only coherent worldview whatsoever. Now, Based on that, we're asking you to come and see, even if there are some things that feel pretty awkward, even if there are some things that don't jive with your outlook on life. That's the whole point that Jesus came to tell us. We're sinful and we're separated from him. So when you come and see, I think it starts with realizing I'm willing to look with an open mind. I'm willing to investigate with an open mind not based on my predispositions or my assumptions or my background, but to come and look and to see what's true. Dale, how does somebody get past their their own worldview, their own perspectives that could cloud their their sight when they come and see? Yeah, Nate, I think that's such a great question. You know, we we have often said, and you've probably heard said, that the that the longest distance in the world is the 12 inches between your head and your heart. And how our mind works and how our emotions oftentimes lie to the very mind that we're trying to seek God through. Let me give you an example of this. Over the past couple of years, my daughter uh, was living in India. She's working with uh, rescuing women uh, out of sex life trafficking and working, uh, reaching out to children and other areas. And uh, about five months ago, she was attacked on a train as she was coming back from working with one of these groups. And she was cut up pretty badly. Because of the time difference when this all took place, uh, we were actually here uh, having church service. And I got called out of the service 
And I took the message, and the first words were that when my, my daughter was attacked. Now, at that moment, what I had to understand and what I had to do was to make a choice. Because everything in my emotions was trying to say, this can't be real, this can't be true. My emotions as a dad were to go protect my daughter and something horrible had just happened to her. But I had to be able to walk back in front of that congregation and be able to make a choice that said that the Bible, the Word of God, was true. And that the rules didn't change just because it was my daughter. And you see, at that moment, that, if you will, crisis of faith or moment of faith of doubt was one in which I took in my mind and captured the thought that said, the Word of God is true. Not because I, what I was seeing before my eyes, not because of my personal circumstances, which at that moment were pretty bad, but was simply to put my trust in a God who said, I will always be with you, that he is in control. And even though I couldn't begin to understand the whys, the answers behind why she may have been attacked, what I could trust was that the word of God was true, not because I could see it. And, and so what happens is our emotions, if our emotions get out in front of our mind, then we're going to begin to doubt. And, and it's not necessarily wrong to have doubts. In fact, one of my favorite passages comes out of Matthew 28, in which they're worshiping the risen Christ. He's about to give us the Great Commission. And it says in verse 17, it says, they sent, Some came and they worshiped him, but it says that others doubted. And here you have at the end of a gospel, they've seen all these amazing things that Jesus has demonstrated before, and it's still there, that doubt's there. And what I take that to mean was you don't see Jesus rebuking them over the doubts. He just says, he moves on and he gives us this great go statement and to make disciples. And what I'm trying to get us to is the doubts themselves, we all have those. And the way we capture that is we renew our mind through the word of God, putting it back before us. And our emotions then follow our mind. And that turns into worship, not the other way around. Absolutely. And we'll get into that in the second half of this show. We'll talk a little bit about faith and doubt and what kinds of doubt there are, emotional and intellectual, and how you'll have doubt about all different aspects of life because you're a human being, and that's a function of humanity. It's not a function of your faith. So we'll talk a little bit about faith. We'll talk a little bit about doubt. We'll talk a bit about growing closer to God, even through our doubt. It'll be a good second half of the show. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM in Durango and KDUR.org online. Thanks so much for listening this Sunday morning. We're talking a little bit about what to do if you're not ready to take a step and fully surrender your life to Christ, what to do to come and see, to see for yourself who Christ is, to investigate more, to search. I mentioned a promise by God in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah to search for him with all your heart and you'll find him. He told you that you would find him if you searched for him with all your heart. So we're sharing a few ways that you can do that. Dale just mentioned this issue of doubt. Nobody in this audience has struggled with more doubt than I have. I will make you that promise. And usually if you find somebody that seems to have a lot of answers, they didn't get there probably by just wanting to find answers. Usually it was survival. Usually they had lots of questions and they had to look and search and, well, they found answers and now they can share answers with you. So if you have doubt, you're not alone. You're in the company of many countless thousands of others, even millions of others, who have struggled with just as much, if not more. And if you're asking questions, I can promise you 
that there is not a question that has crossed your mind that there is not a good answer for. So the worst you can do is take that one question and say, ah, it's all out because I have this one question. Well, stick it out a little bit. Keep searching. You'll find that answer. And I hope you'll find some of those on this show. But as we talk about that, let's talk a bit about the difference between faith and doubt. What is going on when people doubt? What kind of doubts are there that people face? Yeah, you know, we, we all have have these doubts. There's We've already talked about a couple. One is emotional doubt. You know, the kind of things that when I am feeling certain ways or things are going on, my circumstances, my situations. Doubts of the mind. Some things, quite frankly, there are still of Scripture, having studied it as long as I have and I read it, and I still don't quite get it all. You know, so there are these doubts intellectually that we have, doubts of the mind. Um, and then there's just doubts of how I live life. But here's kind of a simple test. Um, part of doubt, part of faith is this understanding of trust. Who am I going to trust? I often say that I have to trust God a lot more than I trust myself. But before we came into the studio, you know, we had a cup of coffee this morning. Um, we shared some time together. We came, we sat down. You know, I, I didn't make the coffee. I don't know who did, right? But I drank the coffee and I didn't check it. You know, I didn't do a chemical analysis to see what it was before we had it. It was good, by the way. Um, when we walked in the studio, I didn't flip the chair over, check the, the bolts to see if the chair still worked. I sat down. I trusted the coffee. I trusted where we were. I trusted the chair I was sitting in. I didn't give it much thought. Rarely do we ever give it much thought. And yet when it comes to God, we go, well, wow, here's something I can't really trust. But am I going to doubt everything that I do? At certain times, I put my trust into things. And see, the thing is, the sun came up this morning. What a great thing to have. I didn't wonder overnight, I wonder if the sun's going to come up. Well, of course <laughs> it is. Science helps prove some of that for us, and we get to have a greater understanding. But when it comes to this understanding of doubt, I take us back actually to the beginning of the book in Genesis 3. Uh, Satan, his strategy for all time has never changed. And we see it in every aspect of our life. The basic strategy is this. It's doubt God and trust ourselves, depend upon ourselves. Doubt God. I'm going to doubt his word. I'm going to doubt that he's in control. I'm going to doubt that did, as he said to Eve, did God really say that? And immediately the doubt comes in. And then the second half of that is then depend on yourself, that in my own strength, I can handle that. Well, I can tell you, as already I shared the story about my daughter, I can't handle it on my own. I don't have that kind of strength. And so I have to turn back to God. And how do I do that? Again, renewing my mind, going to the Word of God, putting in front of myself, again and again, going to others who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing that with them, having them pray with me, being that sense of encouragement and bringing me back to that sense of understanding. That's how we kind of deal with some of that. Yeah, I think another thing to to talk about when we think about doubt and thinking about God and doubting him or even doubting his existence or, or someone that's been walking with the Lord for a while and having doubt, looking at that as something that is negative and wrong and somehow disqualifies us from what God has for us or God want, liking us or wanting to speak to us. And that was a great point that you said, uh, Nate, is just everybody has doubt. You know, you have doubt before you come to the Lord, and even after, you have doubts. And those things don't disqualify you um, 
if you have doubts, what it does is it causes questions to arise. And just like you guys said, as we try to answer those questions, we find the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I want to you know, just encourage those of you listening that are going to kind of taste and see, as, as Nate put it, or we're, we're going to begin to ask the questions. The thing about the Lord is he has such a zeal for your heart and he knows your frame. He will meet you. It is it's the kindness of God and it's his it's his love for for his people that he their their questions. He loves to answer those questions. And if you begin to search for the Lord, you will find him because he's looking for you and he will meet you where you're at. And uh, and those of us that struggle with doubt, you know, after we come to the Lord, if we take that doubt and we harness it rightly, it will actually push us to the Lord even closer rather than away. Thinking that our doubt somehow disqualifies us or changes the Lord's emotions towards us is actually not the case. And if you look at the Gospel of John over and over, he's like, believe, 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 because he knows they have doubts. So he proves himself over and over and over, and he's not mad about it. He's doing it because he loves them, and he does it for three and a half years. I mean, he never once gets tired of proving who he is and and bringing truth to their doubts. Absolutely. C.S. Lewis said something to the effect of, when I was an atheist, there were very many nights that I went to bed doubting it all. As a Christian, there are many fewer nights that I go to bed doubting at all. I think that's a little bit of a paraphrase of what he said in Mere Christianity, but the reality is true that even the greatest atheists alive struggle with all sorts of doubt, and I believe they probably have more doubt than anyone because there's less to support their worldview. As a Christian, you may encounter doubt, or as someone that's investigating Christianity, you may encounter doubt. In fact, you will encounter doubt But you are not alone. Doubt is a function of your humanity. Like I said before, you'll probably throughout your life doubt whether you married the right person, whether you're living in the right town, whether you ate the right lunch today, whether you bought the right car for your needs. You'll doubt all sorts of things. It's a function of your humanity. What's wrong is to take those types of emotional doubts that creep up often and over and over and over and to take those, like Dale said, and put them as the standard of my life. That's where Dale described the difference between emotional doubt and intellectual doubt. Intellectual doubt would be the case where you have a real intellectual question and you really just need a real intellectual answer. Very few people have very many intellectual doubts because there are good answers to all those good questions. I would encourage you to investigate those. Typically, what we see is the emotional doubt. I have the answers, yet my mind just keeps racing. I have the answers, or at least I know the answers are out there, yet my mind just keeps on racing. And it's to that person that Jesus says, come and see. Come and search with all your heart and you'll find. Come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and see. Come and investigate and you'll find. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock, the door will be opened to you. Seek, and you will find. That's Jesus himself telling you that. That's what he's saying, is don't wait till you have no doubt, because you'll never get there. Come now as you are and see. So, Dale, as we wrap up the show, just for a couple minutes, tell us, how does someone come and see? So, as we think about this, we need to remember that Jesus has offered himself. 
we often think our life as we're going through and trying to make sense of this thing that we call our life. I use a phrase oftentimes about that you cannot lose what you do not have. You cannot lose what you do not have. When we're thinking about this, we think, well, I'd have to give up who I am to have this kind of a life. Or I have to stop doing certain things. And some of that certainly comes after you begin to follow. But you see, that's what Jesus says. He says, follow me. Many people have heard of uh, the phrase by, that Kyle Eidelman has used, a book called Not a Fan, in which he says, uh, in terms of like a sports analogy, many have come to the stadium and they want to cheer on what they see intellectually. But it's that movement to become a follower, that putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We don't want to give up our life. We're so worried about that I'm going to lose something. But you see, I don't have it. I don't have that thing that Jesus says, that eternal life that I need to have. I don't have that peace, as Paul says in Philippians, that passes all understanding. That doesn't necessarily mean my life is going to be always perfect or that there's not going to be doubt or suffering. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him and him alone, we come to understand the peace that passes understanding, the joy that comes from knowing Christ as our Savior and a life that is new. He says even in here that he gives us a new name. The old has passed away and the new has come. I'm given a new name. I'm given a new life. It's not a made-over old life. It's a brand-new life with an eternal future. And that's what gives us such great hope. So come and see. Come and investigate. Well, Justin, your story kind of drives this point home. How did you come and see? What's your story? Um, well, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. I was kind of drugged by my hair to church um, all through my youth and teen years. And... Uh, had a few experiences, and I believed that there was a God for sure. I believed um, the gospel story, that he came as a man and died for my sins, and if I was to accept him and make him the Lord over my life, that I would be saved. But it was the Lord over my life part that I had a struggle with. And I just thought, man, that sounds so boring. Uh, I know, you know just the, the, to follow Jesus and to truly obey him, you know, was restricting to what I thought life was about and what I thought would be fun and, and to do, you know, life how I wanted. And so I always had this, you know, in the back of my mind. And my plan was to live life how I wanted. And then right before my deathbed, I would confess Jesus and I would be saved from my sins and, and go to heaven and be with him forever. And what happened was, is I was faced one day I was about 21 years old I was driving on the highway and I was faced with the reality that that plan may not work out how I wanted I don't know when the end of my days are on this earth and you know my 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 plans for myself may not work out how I think and I was just thinking along those lines of knowing the truth but not having, not stepping out and really saying, okay, God, I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to accept you as Lord and, and see and, you know, and, and go for Jesus because I do believe. And, um, but I'm just not ready to make that commitment. And as I was driving home, I was having these thoughts and the, just the, this question or this truth began to dawn on me that if I don't accept the Lord, before I die, I won't be with him forever. 
and I, I won't be – my plan won't work out how I want it. And that reality really shook me. And, I mean, to the point where I was in my car literally shaking. I couldn't hardly drive. And I was on a, on a major highway, and I just pulled off the highway, and uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And I was just soundly converted. He came and met me, and all of my doubts were immediately crushed by his truth just reigning in my heart. And uh, and I've had doubts over my 10-year walk with the Lord, but he has always met me, and uh, he is so faithful and good to do that. And he will for you, too. If you've never taken that step, and if you're ready this morning to come and put your faith in him, I would say you can do that right now by faith through prayer to say, Jesus I believe you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to come into my life to be my Savior and my Lord, to forgive my sins, and to make me who you want me to be. I hope that if you are at that point of putting your faith in Christ, you'd take that step this morning. I'm so glad that you listened this morning. You can keep this going if you want to grow more this morning in your walk with God. I would encourage you to visit a local church. You can go to godsolutionshow.com and see a list of local churches and times and places that they meet. I hope that you'll do that this morning. Like we always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Sunday. I